Well, good morning, church. Would you join me in opening God's word, 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2. We are in the middle of our series, We Are the Church. Turn to your neighbor and say, We are the church. We are the church. And we've talked about many things along the way that, that we are devoted and that we are united. And we've been looking at our vertical values, the pillars that we hold to that are unshakable, that we cease to be a church that glorifies God. If, if any of these go by the wayside, if any of these are neglected, we've looked at unapologetic preaching, that we are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology. We don't apologize. We say what God says. God, God's glory comes down. He meets with us in a unique way when we open his word and we take his word at face value and we obey the words that he's calling us to, whether they are comforting and encouraging, whether they are challenging and really hard to hear unapologetic preaching, unceasing prayer. We talked about this unceasing prayer that we pray without ceasing, that we believe firmly in the power of prayer. We've talked about unashamed adoration, that we are worshipers and as worshipers that we adore Jesus, that we lift the name of Jesus high in worship, that if any of these are neglected, that we cease to be a church that is vertical. Our hope is that today we take one step further and we're looking at something that is so dear to my heart. And it's this unafraid witness, unafraid witness, testify. We witness to what we have seen and what we have heard. We stand up and say, I can't deny it. I, I can't explain it away. He's real. I believe. And I want everyone to believe. I want everyone to know the Jesus that I have known and I fall in love with. If you don't know Jesus this morning, one thing that God is calling you to is that we would be a church that would offer unafraid witness and that today could be a day that you receive that witness, that you say, I see that he's alive and he's well. I see that he is active and at work and I don't have him in my life. I see that there's a group of crazy people that know this Jesus that they have witnessed his power, that they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I have never tasted it. And today could be the day that you say, yes, I'm done shopping around horizontally for what is offered to me vertically, God's grace today, and that we are not ashamed, we're not afraid to say he's our God. Jesus is the king, and he's my king. And as we look at this vertical value, I pray that our hearts would be open as we think about unafraid witness, either to receive the gospel for the first time, or maybe it's been a long time since you have been fired up about sharing your faith with boldness. Somebody say boldness, not just inadvertently, casually, passive aggressive, but bold, boldness. 42 times in the New Testament, we see this term of bold, boldness. And we're not talking about maybe what you think it is. And that's why today we want to clarify. We want absolute clarity. What is this witness? Another term we could use is, what does it mean to evangelize or to spread the gospel, the good news? How do we do it God's way? Not just do God's thing our way, but to do God's thing his way, that his glory would come down, that we would be changed, that lives and eternities would be altered. You want to be part of that? Changing someone's eternity. Let me say that's awesome. That God could have just spoken to somebody audibly, that he could have written it in the sky, and instead, because we are the church. He chooses his church to be the messengers, to be the witnesses, to be the proclaimers. We are the hands and feet. We are the mouthpiece of God on earth. Is God silent? 
He's only silent when his church is silent because he's speaking and he's speaking through his church, through his people. He's sending us. And the question is, are we going in obedience or are we going afraid and we're going to give an account? And what we're not saying today is that we're not going to feel afraid. Somebody say he's not saying that because it's only going to take about a thousand times of sharing the gospel before you get over the anxiety a little bit, maybe 10,000. Okay. When we say unafraid witness, we're talking about witnessing to what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have tasted of, what we've experienced. And that even though we're a little bit anxious and a little bit hesitant and we're not sure what to say or how far to go, that we open our mouths and bold, boldness. Regardless of if you're an introvert, extrovert, regard, regardless of personality, regardless of all the stuff, all the excuses, boldness, 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 because we're passionate about God's glory and his glory coming down we want to experience his manifest presence. And in order for us to experience what we can experience just on our own, we come together and we determine in our hearts that we're united around this, that the gospel is at the center. Nothing else can take its place. We are gospel people. And that means we are bold people because the gospel knows nothing of personal and private and quiet. The gospel compels us to go and to speak to stand firm in light of so much bad news, we have the message. Are you ready? Somebody say ready. Here we go. If you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, 14. Are you there? 14. We're going to be looking at 14 through 17. God's work of salvation requires human witness. Do you believe it? Human witness. That means humans have to share the good news. That's the requirement. Verse 14, this is Paul. Speaking to the church in Corinth, a pretty, pretty broken, worldly, nasty, divided church, but God is doing a work of bringing healing and mending. And what he's doing is he's bringing them back to the main thing. And it's this, but thanks be to God. Praise God. Praise God who in Christ always leads us. Somebody say church. Yep. Always leads us, us, the church in triumphal procession. Victory, victory. And through us, somebody say the church, it's through us that God is doing something unique. Not only are we victorious, but that the victors are spreading something. What are they spreading? Do you see there? Spreading the fragrance or the aroma of the knowledge of him, talking Jesus, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere we go. Verse 15, love it. For we, somebody say the church. There it is. We, we the church, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, those who are being added to the church. What are we to those that are coming to the church, that are coming to Christ? We are the aroma of Jesus. We smell like Jesus. Have you thought about that? I, I want to look like Jesus. I want to sound like Jesus. I want to be conformed into his image. And how about today we could add to that list? smell like him, give off his aroma. Among those who are being saved, we smell so good. But among those who are perishing, to one, the fragrance from death to death, but to the other, a fragrance from life to life. And Paul, the apostle, has to say, even though he's an apostle, he has to say, 
Who's sufficient for these things? Who can do this? Who can spread Christ everywhere knowing that we are going to smell like death to so many, but there's a few, there's some. Somebody say there's some. There's some that we are going to bring life. Who can do this? Who's sufficient for these things? Oh. And we better have confidence that it's Christ in us. It's not us working for something. It's Jesus working something in us and through us that we can even do this. So who do you know who is far from God? You have a name? You have a face? I'll give you a minute. Who do you, who do you know that is far from God? In your life personally, that you know, that you talk to, that you interact with, you have you have names, you have past conversations that are going through your mind. And I wonder, I just wonder, at one point, and this is for some of us, maybe not for all of us, at what point you stop believing? That Jesus is in the business of saving. At what point stop trusting that nobody is too far from God? When did you stop praying fervently? When did unceasing prayer cease to be the heartbeat of your gospel passion, if it ever has been? And I think the longer that we go, the fire slowly starts going out. Where there was once boldness, there is now accommodation. Where there was, where there was once a confidence in Jesus, there is now a confidence in personal persuasion. I wonder, who is it for you that God is saying today? On your knees, in your journal, with tears pouring out, praying fervently, believing once again, God saves. That's what he does. Jesus rescues, and he hears the burdens of our hearts, and he works on our behalf. He wants people saved more than we want them saved. Who is it for you that God is saying today? Today's the day. God's work of salvation requires not just your prayer but human witness. It requires you opening your mouth and speaking. And maybe as you're praying, God's sending someone else to your person. And maybe, just maybe, somebody else is praying right now. And guess what? You're the answer. They can't reach them, but you can. There is a relative somewhere praying for your coworker and your neighbor, and you're the answer. Great. Because it takes a human witness to be able to see salvation be brought to somebody. Because unless they hear, they will not believe. Unless they know it's Jesus alone, they remain in their sin. So who do you know that's far from God? But today, you're reminded of this. Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Victory, there is conquering, and through us, he is spreading a fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Thanks be to God. I love it. Through us. Through us. Do you write in your Bible? Do you write in your Bible? 
guess what? If you don't feel comfortable writing in your Bible, that's okay. I give you permission to write in your neighbor's Bible. So if you have a pen and you want to reach over and underline through us, through us, this is where God is leading victory and overcoming lostness and death and darkness because we are the church and the aroma, the fragrance is being spread. And it's through us. It's through us because we, we are the church. So it's all God's work. Salvation is of God. Somebody say salvation is of God. It's of God. You can't save nobody. Nobody's getting saved through you. You ain't got nothing to offer. You are a witness. What does a witness do? Nobody takes the stand and where the judge is saying, okay, witness, who's got questions? They saw it. They can testify. What's the testimony? The testimony is not, well, I kind of think and I kind of feel and this is what today the, the room needs to hear. Instead, it's, I only can say what is true. I only can say what I have seen, what I know, what I've experienced. There is a testimony that is going to go out and it's a fragrant testimony of God and his work, what only he can do. But is there anybody, anybody this morning that just overwhelmed with self-doubt and constant questioning and did I say enough? Did, it, did I say too much? And did I say it the right way? And did I say it with the right tone? And I wonder if I crossed the line. Did I upset them? Did I make them mad? Are they going to talk to me again? Did I break the relationship? Anybody been there? Guess what? Even, even pastors get themselves to that place. And there's hope. There's hope that when we remember, this is God's news. I am just a witness. This isn't my message to ensure that it's received. That's not my job. I'm the delivery girl or the delivery boy. That's all I do. I am the witness. I stand up and I just say it. I just speak the truth. And God does his part, but it takes a human witness. Some will receive our witness and be saved. I, I hope that's awesome. Some are going to be saved. I don't know if, if, we have talked about this, but maybe it's been a while. I remember for years of my life as a brand new Christian, I ended up on my face in my bedroom, then fast forward at a Christian university in my room at my desk day after day after day, weeping and weeping over my family. No one was walking with Jesus. Everyone was far from God, even though a little bit of religious. Got a little sprinkling of religiosity, knew a little bit of the Bible, had been around the church a little bit, but all of them lost, 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 lost. And everything inside of me was just being poured out. God saved them, saved them. And there was something every time I prayed and I asked God for confidence to go and speak, not just pray, not just pray. Somebody say, not just pray. Not just pray, but then witness, pray and witness, pray and witness, pray and witness, both, 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 both and not either or. Every time I had an opportunity, I said, God, I am going to speak up. Give me an opportunity. I'm going to open my mouth. And I would weep in prayer and then I would speak and then have all kinds of regrets. And then I would weep in prayer and then I'd go and boldly proclaim and and every time something continued to rise up in me of expectation that I would continue until they were saved. And every single one of my family members came to Christ year after year after year. I didn't lead a single one to the Lord 
but you better believe it. Pitbull boldness on steroids, evangelism, raw, uncut, unfiltered, uncensored. My brother almost threw me out of the car. My dad threw Bibles at me in his drunk fury, raging about how he was fine and I was the problem. My mom would run out of the house. Hopefully she would close. And as she ran for her life saying, I want nothing to do with this. It's getting too intense, too loud. The debates increase. But I couldn't shut up. Right or wrong about my tone, my timing, my attitude. Everything inside of me said, hell is real. Hell is hot. Hell is forever. And they are headed there any moment now. And I am the one that knows the truth. I can't shut up. I don't know about you, but I wonder if we're too concern, concerned about and obsessed with doing it right and crafting it carefully, when in reality, God's just saying, boldly go, boldly speak. I wonder if for some of us, we just don't even open our mouths out of fear. And today could be the day that you say, a witness is unafraid. He's unafraid. She's unafraid. Because she speaks the message of another and she's not being rejected. He's not going to be rejected because family and friends, co-workers and neighbors are not rejecting you. They're rejecting him, but we forget. Because we'd rather be light than to open our mouth boldly. I wonder, when is the last time that you considered how few of us are opening our mouth and speaking. Latest stats, everybody ready? Latest statistics say less than 5% of Christians will lead a single person to Christ in their entire lifetime. Less than 5%. Could we make some assumptions about those stats? It's not that 95% of the church struggles with the proper technique and skill. I think that statistic reflects that 95% of the church disobedient to the call. We don't struggle with speaking. We don't struggle with debating. We struggle with obedience. And what are we missing that God wants for us when we just say yes to him? Boldly, boldly. I don't know what boldness looks like or sounds like for you, but it's different for all of us. But it's bold. It's bold. We are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. We may not see them saved. We may not be the one to be able to be there in the final time, but maybe we are one along the way of planting seeds, and maybe we are the waterers. God alone is going to save, but he uses us. You understand the level of intensity and passion that God has to use you to speak into the lives of those that are around you. Just tell them the truth. No shaming, no guilting, no judging, but truthful clarification of one way, not many ways, not be a good person. Jesus was the only good person that ever lived. And we get fired up, not just about sharing it, but we need discernment. Anybody need discernment? So 
I had a family member. I'm not going to name any names. Asher. He ate my banana. And uh, I had an illustration today, but uh, when I looked for my my props, they were gone. Okay, all I was left with was peels. Okay, so today was going to be a day of understanding that many people are in a place of yellow banana. If you if you pick it too quick, it's not ready. It's not prepared. You bruise the fruit, and it takes a spirit-filled church and a spirit-filled bold witness to be able to enter into relationship and conversation, to be able to discern, who am I talking to now? Am I talking to a green banana or a ripe yellow banana? Am I talking to somebody that is open or closed? Are they hard or are they tender? Are they listening or are they defiant? Are they debating and fighting? Or are they asking questions? Are you talking to a green banana? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Or are you interacting with a yellow banana and even one with some spots? Can we do a quick vote to kind of amuse, amuse me? Okay. How, how many people not just tolerate, but actually enjoy green bananas? You want to raise your hand? Any green banana people? And all right, we'll, we'll pray for both of you. Not everybody is in the same place as you interact with them. Not everyone is ready, maybe even this year or this decade, but God is doing a work. And maybe this was your story. I was going along and I thought I was okay. I'm a good moral person, right? I'm not like those people. I do what's right. I'm ethical. I'm moral. Occasionally I go to church. I like to tell people I read the Bible. Is a little white lie a sin. I don't know. But I like to at least put on a front that I'm okay with God and I'm fine and I don't need that. I already have that. Maybe that was your story at some point. And then, and then, somebody say, and then. And then that happened. For some of us, it took a major shaking of the foundation. It took a boulder dropping into our life. It took a wake up call. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, wake up, wake up, wake up. A wake up call. Because I was sleepwalking, I was a zombie going through life, and then that happened. And guess what? God is putting you together with some green bananas, and as you're walking together, God is ripening them through life's events and circumstances, hardships and difficulty. And every single one of my family members Year after year, I said, God, do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. You know what God does? He answers prayer. You know what God does also for those that he's trying to get their attention, that he is ripening them? He knows exactly what it takes to do the thing, right? To drop the boulder, to get the attention. And all of a sudden, the things that we've been talking about and the witness that has been going out and the seeds that have been planted, all of a sudden, it's time. Has anybody, has anybody asked you, are you ready? Are you ready to receive Christ? Are you ready to surrender to God? Are you ready? For many of us, we remember conversations. We look back and people say, what are you, what are you holding back from? What, what are you afraid of? When are you going to be ready? Maybe that's the conversation you're having right now with the person that you're thinking about that's far from God. And you're asking them, where are you right now? Why are you in church? What are you searching for? When are you going to finally be done doing your thing? When are you going to be ready?
And guess what? Only God can ripen bananas. And he does. And guess who's going to be there when the right time? Some of our bold witness is boldly standing firm, close in proximity to those ready at any moment to say, I still have the answer. I still have the answer. I'm still ready to walk with through this, to settle it. You know for sure that you're going to heaven. Here's a big question that, that I remember asking my family. If you were to die today, do you know with 100% certain that you would go to heaven? And then I would ask, you die and face God. And he asked, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What, what answer do you have? And the majority of people that we interact with have never considered. They don't think about that day. They don't think about the most important day of their life. And it's the moment they die and open their eyes and stand before God as judge. And we are there not to condemn and judge. We are there to provide help before the judgment comes. Are you ready for judgment? Those should be questions coming out of our mouth regularly. Not, hey, buddy, you're doing the best you can. Keep going. You do you. You're a great person. You just need to get in church. Just be in church. Nobody ever went to heaven just being in church. Nobody ever has gotten into heaven just being a good person and trying harder to clean up their life. Nobody enters. So are we helping them as bold witnesses with the truth? And that's where the aroma of death comes in. Because when we tell the truth, it sounds like we are cosmic killjoy messenger. God says, no more happiness and no more fun. You're going to die and go to hell. That's not a message that's received very well. We smell like death to many. But I, I hope you hear this. If you're not willing to be the fragrance of death to those who are perishing, you can never be the fragrance of life to those who are being saved. If you're not willing to be the fragrance of death to those who are perishing, can never be the fragrance of life to those who are being saved. And I wonder how many of us are willing every single day to be the scent, the aroma, the fragrance of death. Could we just be honest and say the majority of us in this room will not be disliked, will not be rejected, we will not have people think of us as bigots. We refuse to tell people that they're wrong. We will not correct anyone. We will not allow ourselves the aroma of death. And could I say this? Because we refuse to obey Jesus as king. And we refuse to offer life to those that are on their way to hell. And at some point in your life, if you're a Christian, you just got to settle this. I'm willing to smell like death. I'm willing to smell like death. I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing to be rejected. I'm willing. I'm willing to be despised and hated. I'm willing. I am willing to have loved ones and long-term friends reject me. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. I am willing because there's too much at stake. Have you arrived there? Have you come to that place in your heart that you said, God, enough. I'm not getting any younger. People are passing away every single week. 
more and more of us are seeing in the obituaries people that we had a chance. We had an opportunity. I don't know what's happening, but we are living in a day. I, I don't know. Are, are we living in a time? Are we living in a place where there is more death than ever? Or are we just more aware of it? Is there just more awareness and more news? You know what's awesome? I'm about to see my dad in a couple weeks. Probably for the last time. Stage four cancer, dementia. He doesn't know who in the world I am. He doesn't know how long he has to live. But I know this. When I go to visit him, he knows who my mom is. And he knows who Jesus is. Talks about both of them. He has no idea who his son is. And that's okay. Because for years of our relationship, I smell like death to him. He could smell me from miles away before I pulled into the driveway. Bold witness, it's worth it. Because I get to look in the eyes of my dad, knowing he's going to heaven. Knowing that, that I played a part in that. And there's many of us that it's too late, that we had a chance, and we didn't open our mouth. And what if God is saying today, may that never happen again. Not on your watch. When you have an opportunity, that you would open your mouth, even if it means rejection. You smell like death. Get out of here. Some will reject our witness and they will perish. Fragrance from death to death. Oh, some will receive and be saved. Some will reject and, and they will perish. And we will be unlike, uninvited, avoided. Verse 16. Check this out. Human response to our, our witness. What does it produce? What does it produce? What does verse 16 say? To one, the fragrance of death to death. To another, the fragrance of life to life. Here's Paul's weight that he feels. Who is sufficient for these things? Paul says, I can't do this. If the apostle Paul is like, I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed. This is a crushing weight that I have to live with every single day. The burden that the lostness is everywhere and that he's called to open his mouth. It produces fear. produces fear. And I wonder if we, we start thinking, problem is with me. If I, if I could just share the gospel better, if I could just share the good news in, in a better way, maybe I'll try to share it better when I get better at sharing it. Wrong, wrong answer, wrong answer, wrong answer. I'll get better at sharing it when I get better. I will start sharing it more often when I improve upon my delivery. You know who the best evangelists are? Brand new believers that don't know any better. No fear of rejection because they were just accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They have just been forgiven an ultimate debt they could not pay. And they don't care about people's feelings. They care about people's eternity and they can't shut up. Second Corinthians 3, 5, if we fast forward to chapter 3 of Second Corinthians, here Paul reiterates again, not that we're sufficient in ourselves. We're not sufficient. We don't have what it takes. We don't claim anything. 
as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Our sufficiency is from who? Come on, help me out. From who? God, if you don't show up, I can't. God, if you don't give me the power and the urgency, I'm not going to open up. If you don't make me bold, I am not going to be bold. I'm not sufficient for this. I don't have what it takes. But on that day when we face Jesus, even as Christians, you know that we're going to face Jesus as judge, not for heaven or hell, but for eternal reward. There's going to be a judgment. I think one of the questions that we're going to be asked, my faithful faithful did you proclaim the good news spread news were you willing to be rejected were you willing to smell like death were you my faithful wit if you were to die today as a christian if you're a believer and jesus were to ask you have you been my faithful wit what's your response i thought i had more time i just needed to get some stuff cleaned up in my life I just didn't get there with a lot of people. I was working my way there. I just didn't get there. What if today, because we are the church, and so much is at stake, that we would say, I'm going to be prepared for that day. I'm going to be prepared, and I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to be able to say, I was, and I did. I was bold as a witness because that's what you require. Number two, if you're taking notes, God's work of salvation requires bold. Somebody say bold. God's work of salvation requires bold witness. Verse 17, for we, as a vertical church, we are the church honoring God, looking to him. We are not like so many peddlers of God's word. You could insert horizontal church, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we, the church, we speak Christ, boldness, boldness. Can we clarify a few things? What in the world do we mean by, by boldness? A bold witness is not, not a loud witness. Well, I just, I just gotta be loud. I, I just gotta yell at everybody. I just gotta tell them they're wrong and I'm right. I just gotta tell everybody they need to repent. Uh, a bold witness is not a loud witness. A bold witness is not an obnoxious witness. Obnoxious. A bold witness is not a condescending witness. Oh, you believe that? Huh. Yeah. Fool. Hey, come to me when you want the answers. Clearly, you don't understand what you're saying. Uh, you were raised in the wrong church by the wrong people, wrong message. Um, clearly, you don't get it. You don't understand. It's not that. It's not that at all. It's not loud. It's not obnoxious. It's not condescending. Here it is. A bold witness is simple, direct, sincere proclamation of truth. And what if we could just start here? Did you know that God loves you? That no matter what's been done, to, no matter how you've been rejected, no matter the feelings of being alone, abandoned, that you are loved by a God that sees you, knows you, he loves you. Maybe a bold witness is, you've heard it said that many roads lead to heaven. That's not true. No matter what you've been told and no matter how it feels, that we're kind of all in this together. We're all on different sides of the mountain, but we're all climbing up to the top. And, and as long as you believe in a higher power, and maybe your bold witness is just, that's not been like I was too. Did I tell you that? Or maybe your bold witness is, you've done a lot of things that you feel like you're too far gone. 
that you are so deep in it, that you are so stuck and trapped, that there is no way forgiven, that you can't even see a glimmer of light, that there's no more hope. And maybe you're bold witnesses. You are never gone. God's right here. And no matter what you've done, in a moment, forgive. Not because you're trying to clean up your life and work it off, but because Jesus was perfect for you. He stood in your place. He took hell's fury for you so that you never have to even get a glimpse of hellfire. Jesus alone forgives. Are you ready to receive forgiveness? Jesus alone is your righteousness. You can't be good enough. Jesus alone is your purity and your holiness because you are filthy, dirty. So was I. Are you ready to receive that? What if today is the day? Maybe that's your bold witness. Maybe your bold witness is, I don't have an answer for that right now, but I'll get back. And then you get yourself in the word and you get yourself around God's people and you get answers and you go back in. Week after week, here was my experience as an ignorant young Christian surrounded with mature, maturing believers driving in a suburban two hours to my parents' house every single week. And as we would drive by, uh, they would push me out and I would do a tuck and roll evangelism, all right, for the weekend. And so the whole way I would go, yeah, but my brother said this and my dad said this and, and I don't know how to answer them. And what do I say? And like, they had a really good argument and I felt really stupid. And all of a sudden they're like, here, 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 here. And I'm like, writing it down, highlighting it. Okay, okay, I think I got it. And they're like, in Jesus' name, right? And they prayed over me, sent me out. And all weekend, I was able to interact with my family. And I'm like, ah, ah, and I just learned this. And remember, we talked about that. I didn't have an answer. I have an answer now. And here it is. My witness was a little DD and a little chaotic, right? And a little overwhelming. But I was willing to ask the questions and make bold declarations. And the little bit that I knew, I was able to, I, I just got this. Here, it's yours. I, I, I just found this truth out. Here, here, I want you to have it. I had no idea what the answer was, but now I do, and so do you. Are you there? Where you're constantly listening and asking questions and boldly speaking up, and you're willing to say, I have no idea what to say to this person. Because you know where answers are found, and we can gather together, we can get answers in God's word, and then we can go back into the battle. Bold, bold, somebody say bold. Are you there? Are you growing in your boldness? Because it requires bold witness. Ephesians 6.20, pray for me, Paul said to the Ephesians, because he's like, Ephesian church, I need help. Pray for me that I would speak boldly as I ought to speak. Isn't that awesome? We're in good company with the apostle Paul that he's like, I know I'm supposed to speak a certain way. I need prayer because I don't naturally speak that way. And I'm a little timid and I'm a little caught off guard sometimes. And I'm overwhelmed of what, what they're going to say and what they're going to do to me. Pray for me that I would speak as I ought to speak. There's a way that God is calling you to speak, and it's bold. There is one way, and it's a bold way. And it's not loud, it's not obnoxious, it's not condescending. And it's not sneaky. God doesn't want us to be sneaky with Jesus. He doesn't want us to be subtle 
with Jesus. He doesn't want us to be clever with Jesus. Somebody say, not that, not that, not that. What are some techniques that we use? Because we see here what? We're not like so many peddlers of God's word. You see that verse 17? We're not like so many people out there. They're peddling God's word. What in the world does peddling God's word mean? It means to be a, a huckster. It means to be uh, a, a sleazy uh, used car salesman. It means the, the infomercial guy, right? If you buy now, right now, for a short period of time, we will throw in an extra. Not that. Don't be a peddler of God's word. Well, how are we tempted to use the techniques of human persuasion? You want a few? Here's a few. Ready or not? Receive Christ because, hey, because we're friends. We're friends, right? I mean, in order for us to like get closer, I'm a Christian now, you need to be a Christian. So because we're friends, right? I know I'm not allowed to marry someone that's unsaved. So like you need to get saved so that we can be married. And so like, because we want to get married, what about becoming a Christian? Evangelism, dating, how does that go? Uh, not, not awesome. Not awesome. Uh, we're friends. Not only that. Hey, hey, did you see? You see? My favorite sports star. They're a Christian. Did you know that? Celebrities. Hey, I'm a Christian. Well, how'd you become a Christian? Well, I found out that Matthew McConaughey, like, he's a Christian and he likes in churches in Texas. And like, I mean, if, if it's good enough for Matthew, it's good enough for me, right? Like, I mean, all the, all the cool people, they're, they're following Jesus because celebrities do, right? We're friends and we have celebrities. Wow. That's a one, two punch. Somebody say that's lame. Yeah. That, that's super lame. What else? What else do we have? We have not just friends, not just celebrities receive Christ because it's so simple. I'm so burdened that somebody would get saved and just pray the prayer, pray the prayer. It's so simple. It's so simple. Just, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta ask for forgiveness and you gotta believe and you gotta confess your sin. Are you ready to do that? You are? Okay, good. It's really simple. God saved them. All right, Jesus saved. Hey, you're saved. Let's get baptized, shall we? It's just so simple. You're surrendering your entire life to the God of the universe after living as the king on your own throne and you've been headed for hell your whole life and heaven and hell is at stake. It's clear the message of the gospel but it's not as simple as we want to make it out to be. We have to ask people to count cost before they surrender their lives. Because this is an all or nothing thing. This isn't a quick little ABC game we're playing. But it's so simple. It's so simple. It's easy. It's easy. How about this? Receive Christ because life will be better. Man, I remember I struggled with my finances and then, oh, Jesus! Money, money, money. Man, I love being a Christian. I pray. He dishes it out, right? Name it and claim it. That's what I do. That's what you do. Are you down? You want to get out of debt? Get Jesus, right? You want to get healthy? He heals. You want to get healthy? Get Jesus, right? All your life, it's going to be easier. And then people take their first step of following Jesus and find out it's a bait and switch things aren't necessarily going to get better. Sometimes part way, way, part. 
And I wonder if we are so appealing to human persuasion that we just don't tell people the truth. So why don't I share the gospel? If you're taking notes, jot this down. Why don't I share the gospel? If I'm really, really honest, if I'm honest, somebody say, get honest. All right, preacher's getting honest in church. That's not new, by the way. All right, here we go. I'm not willing to confront their true condition, which is sin. I'm not willing to confront their true condition. I'm not willing to face rejection. Bottom line, my reputation. I'm not willing for my reputation to be tarnished. I will not be rejected. I'm not ready to answer their question. If we're honest, ignorance keeps us from bold wit. Why don't I show the gospel? I'm not actually living it personally. Authenticity. How many of us over the past week, over the past month, have had opportunities to share God's truth. And if you're really, really honest, if you're really honest, did not, did not. Because your life not black. People are on their way to hell. You cannot speak boldly because you're living a double life. You have opportunity to tell people the truth and you remain silent because you're a hypocrite. Because you can't tell people a message that you're not living. You can't tell people to surrender to Jesus and they go, like you're not? So you want me to live like not you? Well, Jesus forgives you of all of your sin. And they would maybe look at your life and go, so that you can continue living in sin? No, no, no. Jesus saves you from hell and you get to go to heaven and, and we shouldn't live in sin any longer. Well, then why are you? Well, it's complicated. It's just, it's really complicated of, of why. Well, we all sin and no, nobody's perfect. Blah, 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 blah. If we're really honest, I'm a hypocrite. I'm living a double life. My mouth is shut when it should be open. I'm not bold. I am quiet because people know how I'm actually living outside of Sunday morning. And I can't speak to them the truth because I'm not living the truth. Do you believe that pastors live there? Better believe it. Believe that pastors can't preach the Bible because they're not living the Bible? Better believe it. You believe that there has been a number of weeks and even months in my life as a pastor where I did not open my mouth to proclaim from the pulpit or to share the gospel because I knew, John, you need to go get that right. No, I'm not, I'm not ready. You need to repent of that so you can be free to be bold. And I said, no, I love my sin. I'm not willing to give it up by God's grace that I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't live there again. Are you living there now? Because God's calling for boldness, but that means holy living, platform for bold wit. 